friends, this morning we're going to hear a story about a different type of saint. She's not someone who any of us have ever met. And it's unlikely any of us are related to her, at least through blood. She's a spiritual relative. Somebody who, like our personal saints, lived a life of deep faith and discovered that God does provide even in the most desperate of circumstances. So let's listen to this story this morning. It comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Hear and know that God is still speaking through this ancient story. Now there was a woman who had been married to a member of a group of prophets. She appealed to Elisha, saying, My husband, your servant, is dead. You know how he feared the Lord. But now someone he owed money to has come to take my two children away as slaves. Elisha said to her, what can I do for you? Tell me what you still have left in the house. She said, your servant has nothing at all in the house except a small jar of oil. And he said, go out and borrow containers from all your neighbors. Get as many empty containers as possible. Then go in and close the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all these containers. Set each one aside when it's full. She left Elisha and closed the door behind her and her sons. They brought her containers as she kept on pouring. When she had filled the container, she said to her son, Bring me another container. He said to her, There aren't any more. Then the oil stopped flowing, and she reported this to the man of God. He said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what remains. It is the word of God for the people of God. Let us say together, thanks be to God. Friends, will you please pray with me and for me? Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, speak to us as a church community and speak the word that each of us individually need to hear. Holy Spirit, may all that I say point us toward greater union and intimacy with you, the lover of our souls. Amen. When we remember those whom we have lost, eventually, in that process of grief, we come to a place where we ask ourselves something like this. How do I live in a way that honors the person I've lost? At its core, this is a question of meaning. How does my loss 
bring some sort of greater meaning or significance in my life? And how can it even help others? We just read the names of several saints. You might have known some of them, or you might have known none of them. But these saints, like the widow from our story this morning, lived lives of faith, where as they went along in their journey, they continually discovered that they had enough. Even when those seasons of struggle come knocking like they do, even when those times of wondering how in the world is their bank, how in the world can their bank account cover all the bills coming in? How in the world is there enough food in their tiny little fridge to feed all the mouths that are around their table? Our saints, like this widow, discovered that there was enough. Now, this widow was completely desperate. She was in deep debt. Her husband was gone. And a predatory creditor saw an opportunity. He could legally take the widow's sons and force them into cheap labor to pay off her debt. And there was nothing she could do about it. Or so she thought. Like a lot of us, when times get hard, even when there is no toilet paper to be found, we forget about what we do have. And we need somebody to remind us. And the person to remind our widow this morning was the prophet Elisha. And it's very interesting how this widow approaches Elisha. She is terrified that the, few, the, the small family she has left is about to be torn apart. There is no greater nightmare she is experiencing. She's trying her best to be a good mother, but this creditor who has come is only caring about the bottom line of the law. And as this widow tells Elisha her heartbreaking tale, she says, I'm completely broke. I haven't got my husband's pension, and our income has dried up. And I picture this happening with Elijah and this widow sitting down in her living room, probably just sitting on two small little stools, because that's all she has. But as they're sitting there together, Elijah kind of gives this sideways glance into this little hole-of-a-wall kitchen that she has, she, and he just catches a glance of this small jar of what appears to be oil. And Elijah gets a little, little curious, and he asks her, Well, what about that over there? And this widow, again, understandably, I can picture her kind of responding with a smirk, like that you've got to be kidding me type of look, wanting to laugh at him because he can't possibly be serious. That's just a small jar of oil. You really believe I'm going to get out of the mess I'm in with that? It's barely enough to get me through the month. So Elijah, with perhaps a little bit of curiosity, 
perhaps just a small semblance of hope that God will show up once again. He looks at this widow and says, let's find out. Maybe God will surprise us. And something very interesting happens after that. It's a detail that, um, frankly, I overlooked when I first started engaging with this story. But it's an important detail. He tells her to go visit her neighbors. And I think that there are two key points that we can likely presume, a little bit of an assumption, but still it is likely um, that we can pick out about her going to her neighbors. The first being that this widow's neighbors knew her. They knew what she was going through. And they wanted to do anything they could to help her keep her children. Now, her neighbors couldn't understand why she needed these containers. Maybe they thought it was a little weird, maybe even a little um, off her rocker a bit. But they didn't question it. They listened to her, they heard her, and they affirmed it with open hands, and they just gave her all the containers they had, scrambling all over their houses, and just gave what she needed. They did not cling to their possessions. That's the first point of her visiting her neighbors. The second is that I believe it's likely that this was not this community's first experience with this creditor. This wasn't this creditor's first time roaming their blocks. They knew that even though it was his legal right to take her sons away, that they had been through this type of situation before. This creditor had come knocking at their doors in the past, quite possibly finding whatever legal ways he could to take advantage of their community before, and they knew he was doing it again to one of their most vulnerable. So they do whatever they can. They just give these containers away. And wouldn't you know it, this simple act of labor, of neighborliness, of sharing just a simple little thing like a container, this has set the stage for God to do a miracle. The neighbors, they keep just bringing her container after container, but eventually they run out. Now all these containers she had been filling up, filling up, filling up, and she asked for one more but they didn't have any more. And then suddenly from that small jar of oil that the oil had just been continuing to replicate from, suddenly it's run dry. There was just enough. Enough to not only pay her debt and keep her family together, but enough for the family to still live on. Now, I want to confess, I think this is a really hard situation for us to relate to because as far as I know, and I could be wrong, 
None of us have ever been threatened to have our children taken away because we couldn't pay our bills. We don't know what that's like. This is a woman, a widow, who had next to nothing. The key word there is next to nothing. She still had something. And through her neighbor's generosity, through their act of neighborliness, through her boldness, through her faith, and through God's miraculous work, it was enough. So for those of us here today, for those of us who, if we're being honest, quite honestly have much more than just a small drawer of oil, what does this mean for us? Friends, in times of need, we are called to share. We don't respond with closed hands of fear of anxiety. We don't hold on to our possessions and live in fear that our abundance isn't enough for us. Frankly, poor people like this widow live into this mindset a lot better than we do. For those who are on the margins economically and struggling and um, the low-income bracket or even in deep poverty or on the streets, if somebody they know needs $10 and they have it, they'll give it. That's not how we think, is it? And I want to be clear, that type of action or mindset isn't necessarily a model we should follow completely. But there is some part of it, some truthfulness and some awareness in that mindset of just giving when we have it that we can and should learn from. We are called to be ready to give away our possessions when there is a need. When we have that mindset instilled in us, because it doesn't just happen randomly, it has to be something that we learn and develop and prepare ourselves for over time. It is a mindset that we have. When we are ready to give away, in those moments, we set the stage for God to still do a miracle. Because the bottom line is this. God takes what we have. Doesn't matter if it's a hundred jars of oil or barely one. God will take that. And with our participation, it's enough. And with what our world is going through, I think that's what we need to hear this season. Even during a global pandemic, we have enough, individually and collectively as a church. And sometimes that enough comes just in the nick of time. Friends, I realize even if it's not us, we know people, or at least have heard of people, 
who are wondering how they're possibly going to make it through this time, and that's real. Those struggles are legitimate. Perhaps you've been wondering how is our church going to make it through this time. That's when we look to stories like this widow. It's when we remember our saints and the examples they gave to us. And we realize that perhaps there's more than we first realized. When we're running scared and make no mistake about it, our world is in a place of fear. We need to remember what we still have. We need to remember that even if it's just a small drawer of oil, whatever that may be for us, that is enough for God to do what God needs to do. And God can't do what God needs to do. God can't do that miracle in this story if this widow doesn't act and if the neighbors don't cooperate. If Elijah had told her to go out to her neighbors and she said, no, story's over. If she had knocked on the doors of her neighbors and they hadn't answered, story over. God's preference in miracles is always to allow us to participate in that, at least the vast majority of the time. And living a life of faith, of openness, friends, that's how we honor our saints. We participate in the miracles with open hands that God still wants to do today. God doesn't always need as much as we may think he does to still work with us. Now, when we talk about God's miracles, I'm not talking about something grand, earth-shattering that's going to end with us being recognized on the news. This ancient story, while obviously it was told, has been told far and wide now, it wasn't really something back then that would have gotten outside this community. God's miracles aren't always big and showy. What God's miracles do is that they impact people. They transform people. The miracles God calls us to, the ministry we do is about people. Changing and transforming people's lives. And whatever we still have as a church community, even amidst losses, it is enough to do what God has called us to do. So in this season, I want to continue to invite us to live deeper into God's economy like we talked about last week. A place of trust, a place of expectation of God's provision. And to leave that place of Pharaoh's economy behind, even though right now it may make sense to cling to what we have because we're all panicking, that place of anxiety does none of us any good. As author and Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes, the narrative of anxiety will seek to control God and oppress the neighbor. Sounds like our creditor from today. He goes on, 
the narrative of trust to the contrary will yield to God, to the God who stands with and by and for the neighbor. Sounds like our widow and her neighbors. Let's walk more toward the narrative that gives life. Amen.